Welcome to Growing Up Fire with Jamie Coots. Seahawk, it is our commitment to you that you have complete access to the top professionals, industry experts, and products for your fire service. We stand by the service and products we provide. We are proud of our past, and we are constantly listening to our customers and exploring new ways to bring better options to the fire service. This is Seahawk. High level, safety, service, security. Please visit our website at www.seahawkservice.ca or give us a call at 1-888-791-4210. Hello folks, welcome to Growing Up Fire Season 2. I got Richard Brown with me and I'm in uh, Rivers Daily Fire Rescues Fire Hall um, over here in Manitoba. And you were saying there's uh, the transition where two municipalities went together. And so it ended up coming out. I'm in which municipality again? We're in Riverdale municipality. So back in the few, a few years ago, the, munis- the town and the municipality amalgamated. One, the municipality was Daly, town of Rivers. They amalgamated to Riverdale. Okay. We just didn't change our name. Yeah, you just stayed the same. Just stayed the same. We changed, but we didn't. Yeah. You can't make us. Sounds like a fire department. Sounds like this whole area is a fire department. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks for coming on. Um, so I'm here. We're going to be doing a talk tonight, uh, talking about the Slave Lake Fire to a bunch of firefighters from around the area. And and uh, somehow I conned you into doing a podcast with me, so I appreciate to do that. In the background is Ryan. He's going to just sit there and pretend he's quiet because he's scared to be on the podcast. But uh all your friends can make fun of you when they hear this, Ryan. Thanks for coming to listen through the show. Uh, so you're the fire chief here, right? Been here for like almost a dozen years or whatever. And and uh, got to kind of come up through the ranks in, in this one fire department. So I was kind of lucky like that as well in Slave Lake. I started out in 91 as a firefighter and, and got to stay there for 28 years straight, working my way up to fire chief. So it was kind of fun. I'm not I'm not hoping that you have to stay here for 28 years. I'm like just, a, like I'm just saying life, it could happen. It's a life sentence. Right <laughs> it's a few wind up in a row, right? So, um, and, and so as I was in here, we were kind of introducing different firefighters and got to meet a bunch of people. Your mom stopped in, which is awesome. That's growing up fire, right? Yeah. Mom stops in, she's getting the treats ready for tonight night's talk there and your brother stopped in with a new baby and and so then we were talking about your family so this really is a family business for you yeah it totally is i got uh my brother actually started on the fire department before me he started uh maybe a year and a half before me and then uh i joined in 2011 and then my sister joined about a year later okay and then it's just been, been that way since. So you got everyone. And so you're kind of moving up the rank at different times. And what, what's that like? So you're the fire chief here. You got what, 20, 30 firefighters? Yeah, you got 25 guys. 20, 25 firefighters, yeah. Right. And uh, your brother's a captain and your sister's on the fire department. What's that like to be the boss of all of them? Oh, it's good most of the time, every <laughs> once in a while. You know, brothers clash a little bit and sister's a little bit sassy when she wants to be. But hey, it's... Uh, you check that stuff out at the door. You're, yeah. you're you're here when you get a call. You're you're the fire department. You're not you're not uh, different than growing up, eh? No backhands yeah, allowed right. and stuff. That's right. Yeah. And we we listen to each other. We feed off each other. We can. We, it works so good. I was, I was hoping Ryan wasn't so chicken so that he could be on here so I could ask if your mom has to come over here once in a while and separate the three of you <laughs> or not. But. <laughs> 
<laughs> if my mom has to come over and separate us, nobody wants to get in between. That's anything. it. Everybody's going home. Everybody's going this home. This party's over. Or uh, leaving an ambulance, one of the two. So as we were coming into town, I, uh, Ben and I, of course, are looking around the area and we're, we're, you know, we noticed the big earth dam holding back the big lake there. And then that whole thing kind of comes down into town. And I'm not trying to portray worry or anything. It's like, but, uh, you know, yesterday was all the flooding in BC and mm-hmm. all of those things. So when you see that, and you know that you're responsible for this area and all of those things. Does that trigger any worries in you? Do you? Well, last year we had a state of emergency because the government of Manitoba declared the dam unsafe. Oh, man. So we, and before that, to be honest with you, maybe I'm oblivious, but I had no, I didn't even cross my mind before. You before, just looked at it every day because you grew up here and yeah. it was. Yeah. And that's, so we dealt uh, as a municipality, declared a state of emergency activated the EOC and had to evacuate 45 houses down downstream as a precaution. So while they worked on the dam and well, they tried to yeah, put a bunch of rocks down at the bottom to prevent undermining and, and uh, tried to do this, open up the gates as much as they can to ease the stress off the dam. And uh, I was 13 days. So we, that was my first state of emergency and I hope it's my last one. Is <laughs> he no kidding? Yeah. So, you know, that day starts off normal, right? You say, hey, you want to be the fire chief? Sure, this is a good job. Yeah, and, and then this is not great. so much. <laughs> so the, on the Sunday, we had a wicked storm come in and we got called over to help a neighboring department with the tornado that struck a house. And we got stood down prior to arrival. There wasn't anybody in there, like the page said there was possibly. And as we're coming back, it's like, man, that uh, road 115 just east of town, water is coming over the road. And it wasn't in the 10 minutes that it took us to turn around and come back. Oh, wow. So, so we knew there was something coming down because our, our water flow starts at uh, north of Minidosa. Okay. And later on that night, Minidosa started getting calls after call after call that the downtown's flooding and they need to evacuate houses. And, and then Rapid City's dam actually breached there. Okay. And on the Wednesday is when us, so Sunday, Sunday to Wednesday is when all this took place. So, so then of course they're looking at every dam in the province saying, holy, what's going on? Yeah. And, I, I oh, forget if it was eight inches and a short period of time. Like yeah. it was a lot of water. Enough to make people go. Ooh. Yeah. And so as we were coming down, you could see, so we saw that and then you could see the kind of the special train that you have here. So I guess I'm a bit oblivious. I've been to Manitoba lots of times, but every area is a bit different and I'm expecting, you know, flat fields as far as I can see growing all kinds of crops and whatnot. Um, but here it's nice. It's kind of got the, the river through it and it's kind of roly poly type stuff and lots of trees around and stuff. So um, when we got to town, I could see across the street at the police station that you guys had a great big red trailer. And so being the nosy rosy that I am, I had to go over there and take a bunch of pictures, which I'll put up for everyone to see. And on the side of the trailer, as tall as I am, is thanks to the community support for this unit and everything that's in it and there i don't know there had to be 20 or 30 different yeah, names lots. you know people uh companies groups and and so let's talk a little bit about fundraising and what it's like in a smaller area to try and fundraise enough money to keep the place going yeah so that that trailer was part of our one of our first major fundraisings that we've ever that we've ever done and in the trailer there's a water rescue boat and uh a side by side with tracks and it's got the the skid unit from Acres and uh, Stokes Basket for transporting people. And when you go back to the train, we had a, an incident a few years ago. It was an unfortunate event. Uh, fatality was involved, a guy in a snowmobile, and it uh, we didn't have the equipment to, to you know, efficiently respond. And yeah. we had to rely on our public to bring us a snowmobile. We had, we had a trailer 
we had a snowmobile trailer, but we had to rely on members and, and the public to bring a snowmobile so we can gain access to them and, and uh, work on them until EMS arrived. And so that triggered us to get, we need to get something because those calls are becoming more and more common in the area. And there's lots of risk in, in the area. Like you said, there's lots of terrain, lots of different oh, hills, yeah. lots of steep, steep grade. And so we, we decided we we're going to approach council to get permission to, to fundraise for such a unit. And, uh, we started in November, uh, August and we had everything purchased by January of 2020. Man, made short work of that. So eh? it was 55 or 60 grand that. I, I love it because, you know, when you go somewhere and you talk about the fire department, right. And there's all those challenges. Should we have to fundraise? Should we just get the money from taxes? And and I've always found that the communities, the businesses, the people, um, they're looking for ways to help out. I think it, it reminds them of the old days when a yeah. community got together, you know, to fundraise and take care of things. And sometimes it's easier to place their money at a fundraising event and actually enjoy themselves doing it versus a $50 hike in their, in their fire levy. Right. To be told they have to, to be told put into to this to and what's it going to go to for sure. And, and so let, let's just talk a little bit about the fundraisers, right? I mean, all of our growing up fire listeners, they all have to do fundraising. They all work for fire departments. And and so I think you'd said the 50-50 was a good one. We did a 50-50 and that was going to be kind of a, a set of, uh, just to build enough money in their funds to bring in maybe a, a live comedian or okay. something like that, that, a big event that incorporates a supper and a comedy show. And we ended up doing another trivia night, <clears throat> which... We made about uh, made three grand off the 50-50, about three grand off the trivia night. And before we even had a chance to organize something for the new year, we had uh, people donating funds and organizations giving us money, and and it made short work of our fundraising of course, efforts. The, the word's out, right? Yeah. The, the fire department needs this thing. And and like you say, then the people get to decide, yeah, they do. Let's help them get to their goal. And and uh, it was always one of my favorite parts. I, I Sometimes we'd fundraise probably too much and it got to be a bit like a job. And, and other times we wouldn't do a fundraiser for a long time. Yeah. And then people would come, have a good time. And they'd be like, man, we're so happy to be able to, to help out. So um, I, I love that part of the fire service. Now, it seems crazy because firefighters, they already got to come and donate so much time and they already got to leave their families. And we say, hey, we're going to do a fundraiser on top of that. But you get there and you have so much fun. Right? You do, yeah. Sometimes it's getting to there, like you said. It's just, <laughs> it's like pulling teeth, and then once everybody's there, it's like we should do this again. Yeah, this was, that was fun, right? And then we go through the whole thing again. <laughs> All right, so uh, you're the chief now, but I want you to think back, right? Um, when you started out as a firefighter, and and let's talk a little bit about why did you get into this? What what got Richard Brown into the fire department? Well, like I said, my brother started about a year before me. I attempted to join when I was fresh out of high school, but I had lots of growing up to do. I had some, a little bit of struggle with alcohol and whatever else I had got. I got past that and I got a job in town. I worked, I worked away previous to 2011, but got a job in town and I got approached by uh, Deputy Chief Jeff Worth, who's still, uh, still the Deputy Chief here. And he, he says, hey, you interested in joining the fire departments while I was pumping gas at the Temple Gas Station. Perfect. And I said, I am. And he said, come to the meeting Tuesday. Nice. And just boom, and, just and like I, that. And I joined on Tuesday. So a little bit of influence from my brother, a little bit of influence from my my childhood, watching movies and, and always, okay. you know, it's... You uh, can say backdraft. Everyone I, it. I absolutely <laughs> love backdraft. Yeah. <laughs> are you bull? Or are you axe? Who are you when you play uh, firefighter? Who am I, Ryan? <laughs> Ryan, you there? 
<laughs> Ryan, he's just champing out with this whole quiet. He's the quiet giant over there. All right, we got that. I think you're the guy that starts all the So, yeah, I mean, that's cool, right? And and it's actually something you bring up a great point, and, and I love this about the fire services. You, you know, you could be in school and you could be a jackass and you could be a screw up and you could be a, right? Or you could be the nicest kid and it doesn't really matter because the fire service can get over that. Yeah. Right. And they can see you for who you are and bring you in and say, hey, we're going to give you a chance. We're going to we're going to work through and and do that. And and that part to me is awesome. Right. You There's a lot of businesses and a lot of organizations that wouldn't be able to get past that. Right. right. And so it, I came from a town where, yeah, I partied when I was in yeah. school and I'm sure I pissed some people off. Mm-hmm. And and there's probably still some dads out there that want to talk to me. But uh <laughs> At the end of the day, um, you know, I got through and I, I made it. And so just kind of a funny add-on story is later on as I got through, uh, a girl's a couple of years older than me and was friends with my brother. Um, she got to be the mayor. So there there we are. She's the mayor. I'm the fire chief. And she says to me one day, I can remember when. And I was like, don't finish that story because <laughs> I can remember a lot of things too, right? She and said, so, said, don't worry, nothing's changed. That's, <laughs> that's it, right? She's going to tell her stories. I got some too. And so we all just dead stopped right there. But um, in these smaller towns, it's kind of a cool, fun part where it's like, you know, oh, I remember you when you were just a screw up little kid. And it's like, uh, I remember you when you were just a lush at the bar so you know or whatever yeah, yeah. it's uh, you can fight back and forth and so the stories never leave the in a small town either every once in a while you get a story that gets brought up and it's like oh wow is it yeah and that was a long time 20 ago. years ago yeah. right like yeah. who yeah totally different person now again going back to that which is the fire department can get over it which which i love and and everywhere you go it's like that right you yeah. could get you know you you had trouble you did something wrong you and we'll still take you and we'll give you a chance right? everybody, now, everybody deserves an opportunity right if you screw up when you're here you're probably not going to get too many chances, no. but uh, we'll definitely give you that first one. And, and so I love that. So when you think back to your early days of firefighting, you just first got on, right? Uh, what are some of the things that you just loved about the fire department? Well, I guess a lot of them, a lot of the stuff was the unknowns. I I come in oblivious. So I had no idea what to expect. I knew when the little black box went off that you needed to respond to the hall and jump on a truck. Uh, I didn't expect to drive the truck my first call. But, but I have my class one and there's nobody else that had a license at, at the time to drive it. And and then I never expected to go into a fire my first call either with no experience putting an SCBA on. So yeah. literally trial by fire. It's it's so funny how that's changed, right? Like I, I go back and mine was like, uh, you know, hey, good practice. I think we voted on uh, $20,000 worth of furniture for our new fire hall we were moving to. And then we did a little bit of training and cleaned out our stuff. Someone gave me some old crappy gear in the corner. We sat down at the end of practice, had a few beers, and and uh, at the end of that, they handed me a pager and said, "Yeah, if this box goes off, you got to come." And and that was that was my whole orientation, let's call it, and and probably my initial training, right? And so well, to today, what you got to do to, I would say it's very similar yeah. uh, for me, and it, uh, you know, you wanted to you wanted to get out there and get some experience and get some calls under you and and help people out if you can and, and learn as you go and and then hope that as you go along you learn a lot of stuff that you can you can use in the future and right learn from there so so you're a training guy we're going to talk about you know kind of training and how much it's changed um, all the different processes that they came out with and, and things like that um, I'm going to throw out what mine is and you feel free to disagree because you do a lot more training than I do now right um, I think of this as an apprenticeship 
And, and I really think that we almost need to change and look at this entire firefighting program and training as more of an apprenticeship. So we have fire departments now that you start on the fire department and on your third week, we're going to put you in a 1001 program and we're going to get you a, and we get to the end of the 1001 program and, and uh, sure you passed, right. And you did the skills and, but you have no experience to back it up. So you, now you're a certified professional firefighter, but you, you don't have any experience to back it up. And I'd like to rewind a bit back to the old days where, you know, you were a firefighter for a year or two and we taught you a bunch of things and we coached you through and then you took the training. So how, how do you feel about that? Uh, I would say we probably work it that way. Do you here in Manitoba? Yeah, okay. I mean, here in Rivers anyways. Yeah. We, uh, we just took on four new guys, uh, four new firefighters last uh, couple months ago. And we, uh, every, every practice, we base it around training these new guys and it incorporates everybody who's got the training and experience to take a role and, and put them through a different skill. And it helps the firefighters who have the skills already to refresh theirs. And it helps the new firefighters gain experience. And, and then, you know, if they want to do it further, we'll continue on. And then come this winter, we'll be doing a 1001 with level one with them. Helps to drag everybody helps, into it. Yeah. And you know, if the, you know, the first three months that pretty much makes or breaks a, a new recruit, if they're interested, they're going to stick around. If they're not, they're, you probably know within the first three months that you're not gonna. <laughs> you're gone. You're gone. <laughs> so that's I, awesome. I agree with you. That's a, that's a really good, really good way to think of it. Right. Like if we just, for example, if you wanted to be a mechanic, it'd be a four, a four year process, right? Start off as a wash boy, and then you work your way to pulling wrenches. Exactly. Right. You would work some. We'd send you to school. You'd get a little smarter. We'd give you some more opportunities. You'd go to school. We'd give you some more training. You know. And so, um, municipalities but, itself, they don't want to invest their money in a somebody right off the hop who's not going to stick around for for four months after but i mean life changes stuff happens with people you can't prevent it but yeah know. but if we get you to stick around for a year or two and then we start to invest big money into training we're not really we'd lose time but we wouldn't lose money right? Nope, that's right um now i always thought of it like it's not a big deal if i teach some someone 1001 and they leave that's okay because they're probably going to join a fire department wherever they're going to and those guys are going to get the benefit of it and i certainly as a fire chief got the benefit of other people training people before they got to our service but i don't know it's just firefighters right what do we hate most change in the way it is now so to to drive change to say hey let's change some stuff it, it's hard to figure yeah. it out yeah yeah so you train uh, here at your own fire department, but you're also a trainer for the Manitoba Office of the Fire Commissioner then? Uh, I've, I've done the, the lead instructor workshop, so I can teach level one okay. for other halls and, and the basic firefighting course. Uh, I've done a couple level ones here in Rivers and with, with our mutual aid group, which includes uh, nine other departments to the north. So I've had pretty much one firefighter from every fire hall or, or more. Uh, Minnedosa another bigger community in our nine nine department usually group uh at one point i pretty much taught almost all the department there minus four or five guys okay and then i've done some basic firefighting courses with uh boys of Aine, which is on the u.s canada border and helped out in oak lake manitoba for a level one there and rapid city just to the northeast of us helped them do a vehicle x training weekend when they first got their tools a few years ago nice. just to kind of get them the basics so you get to kind of get out there and spread your training prowl around and <laughs> get some uh, just individual fire control nights with ham fire department a few years ago and help them out and... nice so, so what, what's your favorite thing you're getting out there training someone phones up and says hey richard we want to train fill in the blank for me what's your favorite uh fire control yeah i enjoy going in the fire the containers and 
and uh, going over the fire behavior and uh, the methods of attack and ventilation and you can kind of see the firefighters transition from scared of it to to getting a little bit more comfortable and sometimes too comfortable and yeah so so you guys are close to brandon where they have the training school do you get to go to there yeah i've gone there uh, quite a few times with my group before they go for their testing we're only 20 minutes to the airport so okay. it works out really good we can usually spend a saturday start in the morning then spend the whole day there and you can go over multiple skills so you can endless endless skills there live fire training live vehicle fire training fires vehicle fires everything yeah nice enter a building off a ladder all, nice. that kind of all the good stuff ladder right? rescues so so you've now you've moved from firefighter brand new firefighter all the way to chief right there's lots of positions in between lots yeah. of time you've spent so i want to go from the best position to the hardest so which position did you enjoy the most when i was a captain you like to be in a captain yeah kind of like the assistant coach eh? yep totally <laughs> if you need to be thrown in into the wolves you can do it but you're also the first one who's going to be feeling the heat feeling the smoke feeling the feeling the metal of the vehicles that you can hear hands on right nose on. down head in there it's funny because i ask it a lot and a lot of people basically say that right it's, is that right yeah yeah, well, it's, it's the, you're still operational, but you still actually are on the accountability side, right? So you can actually almost guide the firefighters the most at that position where it's not, you know, if you got to come in and see the chief, you're probably in trouble. It's like going to yeah. see the principal, right? Versus where your teacher just says, hey, can you stay behind for a second? I'll talk to you. <laughs> that's like a captain and you can just talk someone through. So that that's funny. So which one do you think was the hardest? Uh, what I'm doing right now, for sure. Yeah. As a fire chief, yeah, it's... Uh... Lots of challenges out there. I mean, it's uh, so there are hundreds of them listening to this podcast. Yeah, uh, and they all they all, the, they all know the they all know the challenges. Right. So, uh, so what are big ones here? I, I would say the politics with me. I don't. Uh, yeah. I don't. I don't enjoy pleading and, and begging, or not so much pleading and begging, but proving your case to get equipment. Yeah. What feels like? Yeah, what feels like it? Yeah. But I mean, okay. they got everybody's got a process they got to go through, and you got to you got to go through the proper channels. You can't just get everything you ask for. You got to prove why you're spending the taxpayers' money, and and uh, yeah, that's probably my biggest challenge. I, yeah. I enjoy the operations side of the fire chief, where you can respond to the calls, help the you know take scene command, take uh, take control of everything, work with the firefighters watch the scene you know slowly but surely get get better as you're going along and and uh yeah that's probably my favorite side of the fire chief role yeah yeah and, and getting to actually like guide everybody in yeah. a direction to get to an outcome right i think we'd all probably say that the politics of it all is the worst and and uh, we, we talk about that all the time right it's no fun to go and talk to a group of people that probably for the most part don't know that much about firefighting and tell them all the firefighting things you know and then to go there as a person that you know doesn't fully understand every single solitary piece of how the city up or the town operates and and have to you know try and understand that you know we need a new grader more than we need a new fire truck when you're sitting in the fire hall we definitely don't need a new grader more than we need a fire truck but when you're sitting at public works you definitely do right yeah. and so um, i used to always hate i always pick on arenas and, and graders but i used to always hate to sit there every day and hear oh you gotta get a new condenser for the arena and i'm like didn't we just get a new condenser like three years ago like how yeah. many of those things do you maybe someone there could learn how to run a condenser whatever that is so we don't wreck <laughs> so many right it, it is tough acres emergency vehicles a message from our community a person who is risking his or her life to save the lives and properties of others deserves something as reliable as an Acres emergency vehicle. This is our mission. 
to thank these people with the best gift we can, our best effort. Our commitment includes a firefighter-driven design, manufacturing integrity, personal and professional service. We are here to serve. We guarantee personal and professional service every step of the way. Acres Emergency Vehicles, built for a life of service. Please visit our website at www.acresev.ca. I was out in the bay, right? It's uh, it's nice. You got nice clean iron. You got uh, a lot of vehicles to do the right job that you have to do. You've got uh, some pretty cool ones. There's an ambulance out there that uh, is repurposed from Fort Lauderdale. Yep, yep. Right? Purchased from Seahawk, man. Oh they, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Look at a big smile on Ben sitting over there in the corner there. <laughs> yeah, you got that in 2017. So okay. that was probably my first biggest purchase when I when I became a chief was uh, replacing our rescue unit, and it uh, so far has served us well, very very well. Yeah, it's kind of a cool setup, right? It's got the crew cab, and then it also has like side door, back door, and and you go in there, and and so uh, Ryan was telling me that it was uh, ex Fort Lauderdale ambulance, and I was like ambulance, and then you take a step back, and you're like, oh, sure enough, side door, there's where the bags were, yeah, and then you open the back door, and you guys have got nice mounts for your struts and stuff, and you're like, oh, it's cool. They took an ambulance and turned it into a, a quality rescue unit, so Lots I like that. SCBAs in there, so guys can get get ready on the fly. We have a three man cab. Uh, pumper truck so oh yeah so you got to so take basically that. the rescue goes to every call because that hauls your people and yeah fair enough so we're talking about trucks we're talking about iron which takes us to the next logical step which is calls right what are some standouts uh is there anything you know the funny call or the one that really stands out we don't got to dredge up any dark memories for you here but there's always uh you know you let, let's talk about this let's start with the house fire that was right across from yours and your mom's house yeah that was this year in february uh, of course it was you know, the coldest night of the year. Get called to uh, my neighbor across the street. Unfortunately, he, his house his house caught fire, and he uh, he got pulled out of the house by my uncle, who lives next door with my mom, and because he he spotted it, ran across the street, come to to get me and say, "Hey, the Doug's house is on fire," and I ran to grab my radio to call it in, and before I could get there and get my clothes on and and run out the door while I'm talking to nine one one, he's he's bringing Doug out to the front there with uh, pretty heavily burnt. Uh, top of his head and his arms and yeah. some of his chest area and and then uh, what felt like you, usually when you call 911 and you wait for the fire trucks or ambulance it feels like a lifetime but it felt like just three or four minutes and the pumper was hooking to the hydrant down the street and pulling up to the house and guys are getting out and uh, started working on on putting the fire out and uh, my mom opened up her doors next door and she, she opened up the doors and made coffee for everybody. And yeah. my wife and kids are watching through their front window. And my neighbor, who's a captain, just two doors down from me, Braden, his kids are looking out the front window and watching daddy and everybody work. And it was, yeah. uh, it was pretty interesting. It's a growing up fire moment. Growing if up there fire, ever was sure, one, yeah. right? There's all that. You probably just uh, recruited a few firefighters down the road. I that think you don't so, even yeah. know about. My oldest was in there helping grandma make coffee and pouring coffee for everybody. And, Chatting up all the firefighters and seeing you. how it's going. How it's going. That, that was uh, that was an unfortunate fire because it was uh, it was it was well involved by the time it was noticed yeah, and spotted and so. But I mean, it was a pretty cool circumstances, kind of in between the whole thing. Yeah, and then well, and it's uh, you know, it's that small rural firefighting, right? It's a, it could be in your neighborhood, and all of a sudden it was, or you to go to that car accident where you know the person. Yeah, and that's you know that's why everybody I think joins is to help their neighbors and. It just happened to be across the street, literally my neighbor. So worked yeah. out, worked out pretty good. Uh, some other calls, uh, 
you know, of course you get bad ones where you know, you know, people and you go to, you know, I have a friend of mine a few years ago and he was, uh, he was killed in an accident, which was unfortunate, very hard to overcome the first few days when you're, yeah, of course, everybody's in the town, the town's talking about it. And even though they mean well, they come to you and, you know, ask you, Oh, are you at this accident? And then you're like, yeah, of course. And it's like, sometimes you just want to be left alone yeah, and you well, want to avoid the public for a little bit and yeah. you can't. And in a small town, it's impossible. You can't and you just got to face it and, and deal with it. And, uh, a couple feel good calls. We rescued a dog this, this spring out of the, out of the water. You get, it was, oh, yeah. it, it was, uh, you know, 50, 60 K winds, dry, hot springtime. And, you know, the phone goes off and you're thinking right away, it's a grass fire. What comes through is a, a water rescue for a dog on the lake. And you're thinking, oh, can't the dog just swim? But yeah. <laughs> you've got, it's a new, a new dog and the owner spent a lot of money on that dog and was trying to train it. And it took off from her into the water and the wind was carrying the waves and the dog actually injured its back end a little bit in the water. So oh, okay. Ryan behind us here, he, he went in to, to get the dog and the dog jumped out of his arms and basically Ryan just coached it along to the shoreline and carried it across the field back to the mom. And she was, she was in tears and thanking us. So that was a pretty good feel good call. The, the animal ones are always crazy. And and I used to be so against it when I was a firefighter. And, and later on, when you, you know, you get up to the management part of it, you're like, if we don't go, yeah, she's, she's going to go, or one of her neighbors is going to go. And now it's not going to be a dog. It's going to be a dog and a person yeah. and then yeah. a dog and a person and a person. And Plus, it's good for your, you know, it's good for the community. The fire department helped us out. It wasn't yeah. just a major disaster to anybody else but her. Yeah. But we we looked after it because animals are humans in my in my yeah. mind. So. Yeah, for sure. Well, how many firefighters have a dog at home, right, mm-hmm. or whatever? And, we, uh, and you, you think of the kid that owns the dog or the the owner, right? But uh, I guess we uh, we we got a, we got some new equipment this spring. We got a low angle rope rescue kit from the government grant that was Manitoba government uh, purchased or donated some funds to all the fire departments. And it was probably something we wouldn't have got unless we had this grant money. And we, uh, we, we got it in April or May and trained with it about three or four times, get everybody comfortable with it, put it on the trucks. And three weeks later, we used it to bring a guy up in a bankman after he rolled his quad down the, down the embankment on top of himself. And he was injured pretty severely. So we ended up using the side-by-side that we fundraised for it to gain access down there transport him to ambulance and we use the three to one haul system to bring him up the embankment that wouldn't have been capable of doing so smoothly and safely right yeah. previous to getting the equipment You'd so have been doing it the old school way where you're trying to hook a winch up to him with the yeah. front of the side by side or just trying just to carry him up slipping him a sliding uh, and yeah. injuring them worse maybe so you know it's uh it's funny hey how that uh you get new equipment in the hall and everyone just wants to rush it into service and get going and some of that stuff you just you can't do you it you can't yeah nope. ryan ryan's big into the technical rescue side so he's kind of our training person for the technical rescue and he it paid off that day for sure all our listeners right now are like who is this ryan they're talking yeah. about you just yeah. sitting there too scared to come on the show right he's now. a chicken that's who he that's, is yeah chicken blood oh well that's okay so he's got a red face too so that's good <laughs> those are some of the good calls from the last oh that was just all, all the all three of those are this year so wow it, and isn't it funny how it stacks up eh? you stacks could just up, go two yeah. months without a call and then all of a sudden you'll get a bunch of craziness you yeah know? it's it's wild how a feast or famine <laughs> and then later on when it uh, you know you go to these bigger services and they're having five six seven eight calls a day um you know that kind of stuff just doesn't happen to them but they'll go like a night and they'll be like 
wow, like I slept through last night. How come that that never happens, right? Yeah, my, my buddy was on Regina Fire that uh, I did some fire training with, and he uh, he's always like, it feels like you guys have way more calls than I ever get when I'm on shift. He says it just works out that way. Yeah, and it, and it can, right? As you start to split it up, and that's the part I always loved about being on the rural volunteer ones is when the pager goes. If you're around, you could go. You go, yeah. Right? If you're not around. You missed it. That sucks. But um, you have the opportunity to go on every single call, which is awesome. Okay. So you work your way up to fire chief, right? You've got some experience. You've gotten the calls. You start to do the training and you're, you're moving up and moving along. And so now the job changes, right? So you're trying to get more equipment. You're trying to get money to run the budget. You're trying to get the apparatus and you're doing all these things and you still have all the people there. Right. And so, you know, this is the part where we start to talk about mentorship and, and moving this whole thing forward. And so, um, you know, you're a pretty young guy to be the fire chief of a, yeah. of a fire service. And so how do you handle those those moments where, you know, everybody's looking up to you? You know, it's that critical time where you got to say something cool. Right. I see, I see you got a few signs printed out here for the, the motivational part. But how, how do you handle those times where it's like, you know, everybody's looking at you? Yeah, I don't. uh fly by the seat of your pants kind of if you fake it till you make it really <laughs> uh, when you go back to the mentorship and, and the new the new firefighters and and really the experienced firefighters i just treat the fire hall like i would want it to be to be ran that i think it's gonna it's gonna if, when i first started i wished we did scba training i wish we did ppe training i wish we did that kind of stuff right off the hop and pretty much we run through every skill throughout the year with every every practice we go to and uh i just treated how i wanted it to be ran when i first started and as just like you said you know the the thing the firefighters hate the worst is the way it is and and change and <laughs> you know unfortunately when we, i first joined it was kind of complacency there's lots of complacency and uh i don't want to get that way again so i just try to keep it interesting try to make the make the training and have, keep everybody interested in it yeah. How, how often a month do you guys train? We do uh, every uh, second and fourth Tuesday okay. of the month. So twice a month. And then. So you still have to think of 26 training sessions yeah, a year? Yeah, courses too. We usually try to do one one big course a year. And and lots of times guys will come in on the weekend and, and wash their trucks just for the sake of washing the trucks. And then next thing you know, if the stuff's coming off the truck to practice with it. Or, All right. So. so so let's switch gears now here a little bit and let's let's talk about challenges right so you're a smaller rural fire department all volunteers everybody's got to come in when they're called what what are some of the big challenges what's what's haunting you while you sleep at night probably uh you know we're <clears throat> we're lucky that we do have a response during the daytime that we do but the daytime vulnerability of the communities are are crazy due to lack of members working in the town they're all working in Brandon or outside of town where they're 30 minutes away and you don't have, not every town around us has a great response in the daytime. And uh, probably just the, the unreli- I guess it's not reliable. It's not reliable to have a volunteer fire department in the daytime or leave their jobs or, or work close to the community and, and have the response. We're, we're lucky we do, but that's a big issue in the whole area. Right. And it's a big issue across Canada oh, everywhere. every fire department I've ever been to and so so let's talk about that a little bit like what are what are some ideas that are starting to come out to how, how are we going to overcome this well I mean you talk about a lots in your other podcasts and and before you started to do a podcast that was you know regionalization of fire services uh, taxpayers are 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 getting taxed heavy now with everything but 
they pay full time for an ambulance. They pay full time for a police service. There's no reason they couldn't staff a four man unit with three or four municipalities together. Together, right? Work together. Work together, and okay. then that way you have a reliable service that's there for you. It's kind of one of those. They might have to travel farther, but at least they're there. At least know they're, they're there. starting, and we can back that up with other. Yeah, and I think that uh, we we do talk about this a lot, and we do try to figure it out. Um, you know, every, everybody across the country, how we're going to figure this all out, right? Because um, municipalities just can't afford no. full time firefighters. But can we get a few? Can we get some? Can yeah, we... yeah, and that's that's like you know you respond sometimes with four firefighters, and then the next time you can respond with ten firefighters, and it's there's no there's no predictability really with yeah <laughs> with what you're going to be rolling out of the hall with even though you like to think you're going to be okay there's yeah. still the odd time where you're not <laughs> yeah what's going to happen next right yeah okay so it's magic wand time let's just pretend that Elon Musk is listening and he decided he's going to give your fire department some money you don't know this but uh you you're going to get uh three wishes we're rubbing the lamp right now and uh, the shine's coming back and you're going to get the I'm trying to stall long enough for you to think of three wishes <laughs> and your first wish can't be more wishes. You watched Aladdin, you know how this works, right? What, uh, what kind of stuff are you, are you working towards? What kind of stuff do you want? What would make your job easier? Well, I guess the big, like I said, the biggest stress for me is, uh, we we do have the manpower. We have a very good, good group of firefighters, but there's going to be a time in the future where we're probably not going to have as many firefighters available to us as, as we wish. So, uh, lots of firefighters. Yeah. Okay. Uh, good wish brand new pump brand new pump and what would brand, you do with a brand new pump i would i would replace the old pump <laughs> would you know how to run a brand new pump come uh, on absolutely yeah <laughs> you'll figure it out eh? yeah absolutely <laughs> what yeah. color would it be it would be black and red black and red yeah. red over black or black over red black over red black over red yeah compliments to the winnipeg city fire department wow well, wow, there's lots of fire departments, but yeah, I guess you're here in Manitoba. You got to yeah. shout out to yeah. those guys. Okay. Beautiful. <laughs> Love it. That's going to start some conversation because everybody <laughs> likes a different color. Yeah. And uh, endless funds. Endless. Oh, isn't that That's like wishing for more wishes. That's what you're going to go with. You're going to take this whole game and turn it around on me. And Brand new fire hall. Brand new fire hall. Yeah. Okay. Sure. With room to grow. Yeah. Yeah. That happens. And, and I guess like at a point that's going to happen no matter what almost because I mean, step one of overcoming not having enough firefighters is just getting more firefighters. And then that comes with a bunch of costs, right? I, I can't remember we figured it out the other day, but it costs probably around twelve or 14,000 bucks to train, equip, and get firefighters ready to fight fire. So if you re increase your roster by 10 firefighters, it's going to be one hundred twenty dollars to $140,000, right? And then where are you going to put them? Well, when you get paid minimum wage, it doesn't cost that much to train them. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, just the gear and the helmets and the, right? It's uh, Ryan sitting over there going, where do I sign up? I'll get my money. <laughs> um, yeah, okay, I get it. So so now I'm going to turn it back on you because you played this dirty game against me. What are, what are you going to do with these unlimited funds? Keep the training up to par. Keep the, keep the safety equipment up to par. Uh, maintain the trucks to... The best of the best of that the funds will allow um yeah keep everything rolling smoothly yeah just like you wished it was yeah okay right and, on uh, so be able to meet all the minimum standards meet all the minimum standards the... Yeah. have all the documents in place for when something happens and you can you don't have to fumble to 
to find it or make something up before workplace health and safety comes and finds you. <laughs> Somebody notices something. Right? <laughs> it happens. It happens. Yeah. Um, and, and so we're going to jump back to training a little bit because uh, it's really cool when I come out to Manitoba here and you have these, uh, I can't remember what you call them, training districts. or Yeah, the mutual aid districts. Mutual aid districts. Yeah. So let, let's talk a little bit about that and how that works. So it's be, uh, we have nine in our in our mutual aid district. It's South Central Mutual Aid. So uh, every municipality signed an, an agreement for uh, no fee reciprocal response to anything that's outside of the fire department's capabilities, as well as a backup program. If if we're out on a call in the southeast corner, or southwest corner of Riverdale, and there's a car a call back in town, we can dispatch mutual aid from a neighboring department to start rolling towards rivers while we try to scramble and and find uh, resources to head back to town and, and help them out with, or they just take the call and we have to uh, fend for, let them let them work it while we, we work the other scene. So it's kind of a backup response and uh, a no fee reciprocal response for, okay. for help. So, so you also train together again? We do some training together, yep, yeah. you bet. That's, uh, lots of them have come, like I said, through level ones when I've done them, train them with that. Uh, before COVID, we would do usually one scenario with the fire departments or a couple of departments from around the whole the whole area and, and help each other out with training. Okay. Uh, a big group training night we did. Does, that. does that work the same way? Like, or does everybody have to kick into the training as far as money goes? No, we just plan it on. Uh, oh, for the for mutual like say, aid. Say you're doing a 1001 and you got. I think you said you had one guy from almost every fire department come. Does everyone just kick in their share? Or? Yeah, usually it's uh, Manitoba. We get a. Uh, building Manitoba fire. Sorry, it's uh, training incentive funds. Okay. So we actually get a kickback from from each fire hall. That uh, I think it's five hundred bucks for your level one that the the government gives you yeah. for for doing it, and then usually that goes towards the person who's training the the firefighter. Okay. So it doesn't cost them anything but the firefighter's wages. There's people going crazy right now listening to this because you know in Alberta we had five hundred thousand and they took it away right because there's. We're spending billions on COVID, but we couldn't afford five hundred thousand to train firefighters. Yeah, and uh, there's so many provinces that don't give anything, so that's cool. We get I'm happy to hear eleven thousand five hundred per year, I think, is what is yeah. allocated for the training funds. So and you guys it, all just get together and say we should do this, and it's going to cost that. Yeah, you know? or like if an individual department itself wants to host like a, a vehicle extrication training, the fire college would come out free, do a two and a half day seminar with us. We pay the firefighters their their training wages, and then we also get a kickback at the end of the year from the government of of a to certain amount to, to help them out with it. So, yeah, it really does seem like a good system, and it's uh, I, I talk about this and I ask these questions because I think there's lots of people that listen that are in those positions in different provinces to say, how are we going to do this? And it it is a piece that I actually think they're doing pretty well over here. Yeah, we we're very lucky. It doesn't. I couldn't imagine paying the money for. You know, six, seven, eight thousand dollars to do a, a vehicle extrication training over the weekend, and we're, we're very lucky to. That's more than our whole training budget for the year. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, there's provinces, and I come from one where it costs probably double that to do the same training session, right? So, um, it it is. It's hard. It's hard to be part of that. It's hard to you know. Everyone's like, oh, you got these big budgets, and and. Uh, but where do you spend it and how do you do it? And all of a sudden, you know, if it costs three times as much for a training course, then your money's getting chewed up. There, yeah, right? yeah. So well, we're lucky that way. It's all good. I must be really boring today. I look over and Ben's sound asleep over there. So, so it's all good. It's all good. That's how it goes. We'll make sure we sleep through his <laughs> podcast when it's his turn. 
<laughs> okay, so um, I, I want to talk about the future now, right? And so we got, uh, you know, I think we all made fun of the Jetsons and they were having their flying cars. And maybe some of you guys aren't old enough to remember the Jetsons, but they, uh, they had these flying cars and we're almost there, right, with the drones and all those things. And so, um, you know, you seem like a guy that's into this stuff and thinking about this stuff. What's next? What's out there? What do you think is going to happen in the fire service? Jeez, I don't... Uh... <clears throat> I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Honestly, we're, we're moving. I guess we're, I don't know. I'm speechless, Jamie. I got nothing. You're, you're speechless. Come on. I don't believe it. Right. Okay. So let's talk about it. It's because uh, of the guys that are in the room. Let's, let's throw it electric fire trucks. When, when can I expect my oh. first electric fire truck in rivers? Oh, daily. probably when there's something that's three, three or four more things that have come on top of that. <laughs> it's going to be a while, right? It's going to be a while. Yeah. I, I also did see that you had a new rescue tool, the, the Pentheon Homatra rescue tool, the combi tool there. And yeah, yeah. That was what, uh, what's the feedback from that? Is everyone loving that thing? It was, we used it this summer for the first, we got it, uh, we had it on the truck for a year and we didn't use it, which was great. We used it this summer on a, on a call and it was it was like they almost forgot to stabilize the vehicle first before they got the tool out and ready to go. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa we gotta we gotta crib it and block the vehicle first. Remember when we used to set the hoses up and guys would have time to crib and block the vehicle? Now we don't have to do that. Right. So the feedback was awesome, and it's it's very handy tool to have. That's so awesome. Well, I got to tell you, when when you sent me an email and said, "Hey, do you mind uh, doing the talking that we talked about?" and and uh, you know, COVID's kind of spinning to a close here eventually right we're a couple of years into it now and I, I gotta tell you i was just so excited i was like definitely I'd, I'd been here before i got to meet all you guys and said uh i'm gonna be over in manitoba and uh, i definitely want to do it so you know we're, uh, we're thankful to have you come over here this is uh one of the biggest things i've missed with covid is having you know this the the evenings of, of having somebody come over and teach you learn from them listen to their stories we usually try to do one or two a year and that's something that I miss big time, and I know everybody here has missed it. So should have roughly ninety guys, ninety firefighters coming from around the area nice. to listen to you. So I love it. We'll see how many we can put to sleep, but uh, yeah, I know it's it's you know it's fun, and and I like it, and I think it's part of to be fair my healing process to talk about the Big Slave Lake fire and to talk about the Fort McMurray fire and all the kind of chaos that went uh, through it since. And so uh, looking forward to it. So thanks for being here and talking with me and uh, thanks for inviting me and I'm super excited. Thanks for having me on, it's an honor. Thanks for listening to Growing Up Fire today. Follow me on Instagram at Chief Coots to comment or send questions. We appreciate your support.